I'm Kier from In Defense Of, a podcast member of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the one you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other podcasts at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready, because geekiness begins in three, two, one... Hello and welcome to Undaunted, where each episode I talk with fellow podcasters from all walks of life and discuss what went well, what went wrong, and what just didn't matter. We share the good, the bad, the many laughs and lessons along the way. I'm Amos, and today I'm joined by Scott Smith of the Recovering From Religion podcast at recoveringfromreligion.org. Scott, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing great, Amos. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, no problem. This is a, this is the show to find the interesting people behind the podcasts. And I got to say, your podcast is one of the most interesting to me that I've listened to in, in quite a while. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, as a person who went on a spiritual journey close to a decade ago and has continually evolved that, that spirituality into being less and less spiritual, actually, <laughs> um, I, uh, religion has always been one of those areas where I've had a very tepid relationship. The times that I was really into into the religious aspect of life and in spirituality were the times when the people around me tried to force it on me the most, which made me shy away from it. And the times when I was alone in in what I felt was my journey, I would reach out and there wouldn't be anybody there that I needed. So my relationship with with religion in in general has been kind of strange throughout my life. I'm sure you've got a similar story though for, for what you do on the podcast. Right. Uh, that's why we exist. Um, the podcast supports recovering from religion, which is a nonprofit organization. And we help people who are experiencing trauma from religion. And that could be in a form of deciding to leave their faith. And that's decisions not being uh, approved of by family members. And that causes all kinds of grief it could be someone questioning their faith and they don't have anyone to talk to that won't judge them. That's where our hotline comes in. They can call the hotline at one eight four I doubt it and they'll speak to a trained hotline agent. And that's part of um, our resources and that's what we support. That's awesome. And and to be clear, you're not you're not trying to get people away from religion as a whole. You're trying to help them find why they why they why they believe what they believe and the facts behind the, the religions that they follow. Right. We don't try to deconvert anyone. They, they call us and we don't keep in contact with them. They can call back if they want. And at the end of the conversation, if they decide to stay with their faith, that's fine with us. We'll even help them find a church if that's what they want. But we definitely don't try to talk anyone in or out of anything. That's, that's amazing. That's a really a, a great way to uh, play the middleman and not get, directly involved in in what is a very personal issue for for most people it is and um some callers dive right into the issue and some are very hesitant but all of our callers have one thing in common they don't have anyone to talk to and that's where our helpline comes in it's amazing now let's let's turn it a little bit into you and the podcast itself how did you get into podcasting well it was uh, march of 2016 I was a hotline agent at the time, and I was just thinking about how a lot of our callers to the hotline mentioned that they listen to podcasts. And then I remembered that whenever a podcast gives us a plug, that usually increases calls to the helpline. 
So the two brain cells finally fired and said, you know what? <laughs> we should have our own podcast. And I sat down, and I drew up what I thought would be a good format. And I uh, emailed my friend, Emily, who's also with the hotline. And I said, Emily, tell me why this sucks. And she said, I think it looks great. And I asked her to be my co-host. It's Emily Carp. And um, we've been doing this for almost a year and a half now. And uh, it's been a, a fun experience. We knew nothing about podcasting at all. I thought podcasting had something to do with fishing like 18 months ago. And it, it was a learning experience. We had to binge watch a lot of YouTube videos and figure it out. And like most people, I cringe when I think about our first episode. But <laughs> we've made some improvements and uh, we learned some things along the way. And it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. Now, um, when it came to podcasting, like, where did you go to find out what kind of format you were going to do? I mean, do did you listen to podcasts beforehand at all? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, right at that time, subscribed to a few. Yeah. And so, did you just follow their template as far as how it should how it should flow, or did you kind of have a a different set of mind a mindset? Um. Yeah, they probably inspired that um, template. The format and so forth. But, um, I mean, we didn't take everything from just one podcast, just bits and pieces that we liked from different ones that we listened to. Awesome. Um, now when it came to actually recording the podcast, um, did you, did you have a, a studio space or did, was it something that you had to kind of work into your living situation? Well, I have an office here in the house and on the first episode, I mean, I don't have carpet, don't have uh, drapes or anything, so you can imagine the the echo effect, especially when I was using what was probably my um, internal microphone to the computer mm. because the one I had probably wasn't hooked up, so it sounded terrible. But um, since then, I've, I've had all the room treatment on the walls and ceiling and carpet now on the floor. It's made a big difference. But, yeah, I'll just podcast right out of the house. Now, that leads into the next aspect of what we'd like to talk about here, and that is, like, so you've learned some audio engineering. What else have you learned uh, with your podcast journey? Uh, I would say interview techniques has been um, something that I've learned quite a bit in, in writing the interview. And I even watch interviews a lot differently now. And I have my favorite interviewers like Matt Lauer of the Today Show. It sounds more like a conversation with him. He's just sitting down and having a cup of coffee with you. It's not a question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. So that's what we're trying to stay away from. And we... Um, write feedback questions and everything and just, you know, everything from scheduling to, uh, editing was really big, um, promoting the podcast, you, you name it. Cause we didn't know what we were doing on that first episode at all. Yeah. The interview technique is one of the reasons I started this podcast was to try to develop that within myself. And some days I'm really on it. Some days I'm really not on it. <laughs> Right. And but it's always fun, and I always enjoy really getting into the behind the scenes of, of especially of this topic. Podcasting is one of my favorite things. So um, when it comes to interviewing and things like that, uh, have you found a specific way of, of flow that you like to, to build and, and and proceed with it, or is it just kind of a crapshoot each time? Like, oh, I hope it works. <laughs> well, the first thing we have to do is um, we have to find someone, and usually we know somebody or know of someone. If we don't, we go to Amazon, we search for whatever, and we get an author who wants to sell books. And <laughs> yeah. Lesson number yeah. one of the, of the podcast right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, we've never been turned down for an interview at all. And it usually requires reading a book. Mm. So that takes a little time. 
And then what I like to do, if the person's been on podcasts before, I'll listen to those podcasts. And if it's a good question that yields a good answer, I'll ask that question. But at the end of every answer, I'll stop and I'll say, okay, is there something else that wasn't asked? And a lot of good questions I get from that. So as far as the flow, uh, we get the guests kind of warmed up. We try to make them feel at ease and relaxed and so forth and do the sound checks and everything and mm-hmm. get Emily on. She's in the Eastern time zone. I'm central and whoever we're interviewing is probably in a third time zone. And that's the way it goes. And um, it, it's just a, a matter of feeling, making sure they feel at ease. And we also write the questions out and then email them to our guest. And a lot of people don't do that. But this gives them the chance to, you know, research if it's a statistic they may not know off the top of their head. That gives them a chance to look it up beforehand. So they sound like they know what they're talking about. And they really appreciate that. And I think it really adds to the interview. Because no one wants to interview an idiot. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and and how much of, a, of an active role does Emily take in this? Because she's, you know, she's your, your co-host on the podcast. And and I, I can tell by by the sound of the recording that she does hers remotely from you. Right. She's in Maryland. We do most of the interviews on Skype. And um, her role, she just started a full-time job. And that was about the time that we went from monthly to bi-weekly. And I talked her into doing the bi-weekly thing. And that's when I took over all the editing oh. and all the question writing and scheduling and show notes and she shows up for the interview and she updates the um, web page and does the RSS feed. So I do the majority of the work, but I don't mind doing that because that's the agreement. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we get it done. I mean, she's working for a time. I'm retired. It makes sense. Well, one of my recent shows, we, we were talking uh, about, you know, going to to splitting the work between two people and how having a full-time co-host that, uh, that it pulls their weight and is, is always, you know, wanting to learn and wanting to better the podcast itself, how much easier that can actually make things. Absolutely. And from the very start, I mean, one of the reasons I asked Emily to co-host with me, cause I knew she would make it a priority mm-hmm. and she wouldn't do it. If she had time, she was going to do it. And she also knows the helpline. She's been with it since the very start. So she knows what the issues are with her callers and that's what goes into creating the content. So she really adds a lot of experience to it besides just yourself. Right. She's also the smart one. <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to say it, but you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of the things that I really like about it is you guys really seem to have a, a synergistic style on the show. You really bounce off each other very well. Um, and I'm wondering how coordinated that is previous to the conversation actually happened to the recording happening. Uh, not very. I mean, we, uh, decide who's going to ask what questions to our guests, but as far as the intro and the opening, uh, we kind of write our own stuff there. You know, I usually lead off and then Emily jumps in and we kind of discuss our take on the particular topic. So we kind of leave a little bit to the imagination. I don't know exactly what she's going to say. She doesn't know exactly what I'm going to say. So I think that helps out a little bit. So it's like kind of a, a semi ad hoc then. Right. Yeah. yeah. We, we know about what we're going to say because the openings, we explain why we're doing this episode, who we talk to, what the takeaways from and anything we read, like as far as reviews or emails. Now, 
one thing that really got me was, especially when you're when you're talking about religion or uh, abuse or things of, of really sensitive natures like that, you kind of have to have a, a built-in trust with your co-host not to not to go the wrong direction or to lead the conversation down a path that that you don't want to take on the podcast. Right. We don't bash religion, and we're we're both pretty good about that. You know, that's not. Uh, the scope of the podcast, uh, the scope of the podcast and the resource itself is to help people who's having problems. We don't want to make fun of someone's faith. That's just kind of in poor taste for this venue. So yeah, we don't do that. That's uh, it's really awesome to have that balance because you, your views on the religion, like the, your most recent one was on Jehovah's Witnesses and you didn't have a whole lot of good to say about it, but you didn't, you never came out and attacked it either. Right. And we could have, but like I said, that's not the scope of the podcast. It's uh, Jehovah's Witnesses was a, a pretty interesting uh, interview and we got a lot of emails and uh, messages regarding that. And I, I invite people to listen to that episode because, uh, you know, if they knock on your door and they're smiling and so forth, you might get the impression that they're just really good people. Listen to the podcast and you draw your own conclusions. Right. And you, you don't you don't try to cornhole anybody into like every Jehovah's Witness is this way or every Mormon is this way. It's kind of like this is the, the basics of the general religion, but the individuals can be different people. Right. And there's basically two types of episodes we do. The first type we do more often than not that can apply to any faith like uh, psychological harm from religion coming out, uh, secular parenting, this type of thing. But occasionally we um, get more narrow to one particular type of faith, like Jehovah's Witnesses, Scientology, Mormonism, Islam. And we tried to explain to the listener what they believe in and why. Mm-hmm. And the first one we did like that was Scientology. And before we did that episode, the only thing I knew about Scientology was Tom Cruise's in it. And that was it. And then I started researching. And it's like, this is really interesting. And not too many people know about it. And that's what we kind of explored. We also talked to a current Scientologist in Australia and all these documentaries on TV, they talked to uh, former Scientologists. So it was kind of cool to talk to someone who still believes in Scientology. Mm-hmm. That's, it's just, this is, I, I can't believe it took getting this interview with you to find this podcast. Like this is, this, this, everything that I've listened to so far is just right up my alley as far as the things that I enjoy about hearing of other religions and the way to handle it and the professionalism that it takes to talk about these things without, like I said, without bashing into a religion. It's, it's amazing. I think it's one of the most interesting things you can talk about on the planet. Unfortunately, most of us are taught that we shouldn't talk about religion or politics. Well, if you don't, then you're missing out a whole lot. Mm-hmm. You can talk about religion respectfully. You can challenge someone's religion. Uh, I know plenty of religious people that are more or less brilliant, okay? They still believe in a God, but they're very smart people. So if I say someone's beliefs don't make sense, that doesn't mean I'm calling them dumb. Now, if someone has the attitude of, okay, if you challenge my beliefs, you're challenging me and you're calling me dumb, that's their problem. But I would never call anyone dumb, but I do challenge people's belief from time to time. That's great. Oh. Um, as far as the recording of it and all these issues we've talked about already, I mean, you, you kind of have to play a, play a certain way on the, on the topic and with the subject matter and everything else. 
have you ever gone astray from that? Has it ever gone wrong? Is there anything that you've ever had to like, wait, that's not where we wanted to go? I mean, how, how have you tested those boundaries of the show and the audience? Um, we've had some really good guests. Nothing's really gone astray like that. Um, we did one episode on local support groups, which is one part of recovering from religion. And we had someone lined up who ran a, a pretty successful local support group someplace. And long story short, that fell through. So we got in contact with someone else. And the first question we asked was, how big is your local support group? And she said, well, it varies. It kind of goes up and down. It varies between two people and three people. <laughs> and I was, that's, that's very local. Like, that's very yeah, local. <laughs> I was expecting like three dozen. So it wasn't a great example of uh, recovering from religion, local support groups, but they meet for coffee like once a month and they have good conversations and they talk about stuff that they probably can't talk to with their friends or coworkers. So who's to say that's not a good group. You know, it's just not as big as we were really expecting. <laughs> that's, uh, th that's definitely something to look into in your future, future guests. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yep. Um, now what about the actual podcast itself? As far as the technicalities of it, the editing, the, um, you know, the process of booking a guest, have you gone, like I almost went wrong on this interview today cause I've scheduled the time. And then I, I, I thought I had an extra hour because my brain didn't do the, the math right. So, you know, where, where have you made mistakes along the way as far as that goes? The actual recording uh, process. Uh, let's see. Um, no matter what you're using for a recorder, it's probably not smart enough to turn itself on. That's, uh, <laughs> that's one mistake. Uh, I hate that. Uh, Let's see. There was um, some earlier episodes where we were doing an interview and Audacity, it looked like it was recording fine. Actually, we were using a Skype recorder at the time mm -hmm. and it looked like it was recording fine and the whole thing was clipping and it sounded awful. And we had to do that interview over again. In fact, we've done two interviews like that where we had to redo them. So that's kind of embarrassing because you look like a putz even more so than usual when that happens. So uh, those, those were the major mistakes, I think. Well, those aren't so bad. It's just, you know, having to re-record an entire, entire interview that it's never quite the same the second time through. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, now there's a certain measure. I mean, you, you went into podcasting for a reason. So what was the reason that you, you specifically decided that this is something that you had to do? Well, I had no intentions to go into podcasting at all until I started with recovering from religion. And I, thought it might be a good way to spread the word. I listened to podcasts at that time, but I didn't have any intentions to being in podcasting. So, you know, there, there's no money involved on our end and there's no fame or fortune or anything like that. It's just um, a good feeling trying to spread the word about a resources that I feel strongly about. I feel that we can help a lot more people than we already have if they just knew about us. So that's the primary reason that I got into podcasting. And now how do you measure yourself as far as uh, your, your own personal lines of success? Like how do you, what, what measurements do you have? What are you going for? What is your goal? Is your goal to have more people call in? Is your goal to have more people listen or more interactions or just personally to put out 5,000 episodes before you finally get tired of it? <laughs> no, not the last one. <laughs> uh, we measure our success by the resource. Do we get more calls from the hotline? And the chat line. We can also schedule chats as well. And are we getting more volunteers? 
because we're strictly a volunteer workforce. No one gets paid. So we ask people to volunteer. So if they're listening to this and they might want to be a hotline agent with Recovering from Religion, um, you can certainly do that. We'll train you and get you going. So that's how we measure our success. Do we get more calls and chats? Do we get more people wanting to volunteer? Do we get more donations? You know, yeah, I check downloads like everyone else does. But, you know, if it's really helping the resource, then it's worthwhile. And do you have a, do you have a, a method of measuring the the added calls and, and volunteers that you have from the pod, podcast, or is it just by referral? Like, no, they, there's there's ways that we can keep track of how many calls and chats that we're getting and, and volunteers too, and we have increased those things since we started the podcast. Excellent, that's amazing. Um, and what kind of grade would you give yourself on that? Would compared to that that metric of of aiding in the uh, the overall cause of recovering from religion? I say that we're probably an A as far as increasing the awareness of the resource and getting more people to use it and volunteer. I wouldn't give the show itself an A as far as Emily and I, probably like a B plus, something like that. But as far as helping the resource, I would probably say an A. Now, if you're not going to give yourself an A, where can you improve? Where have you self-identified that you personally need to improve as a podcaster? Probably being more relaxed. We can be kind of uptight sometimes and not uh, free flowing. And sometimes we miss opportunity to ask a follow-up question. Sometimes it is kind of cut and dry and choppy. And I don't like that, but sometimes you don't have the time to, to think of something when you're in the middle of an interview. So some of our interviews could have been um, a little bit improved. That's probably it. Mm. Now you have kind of a, a storied history. You retired from the army. I mean, you've, you've, you've been, been around the world. You've seen things. How do your previous experiences in life help you or, or, or cause you to want to help with recovering from religion? Like, well, what, what's your personal investment? Well, being in the army for 20 years, first of all, I was raised in Kentucky. Okay. Small town where most people never live outside that County. Okay. I'm not knocking Kentucky, but that's just the way it is where I grew up. It's just small and, town America. Right. Yeah. So joining the army, I got to live all over the world and I saw different cultures and different religions and different ways of doing things. And you know what? They were getting along just fine. They seemed just as happy as people in Kentucky. So that was one of the steps that led me away from religion. You know, it seemed like there was a lot of prejudice and people looking down on other religions and other cultures. And when you're living around the world, you get to see, you know, they're different. They talk a lot different and they look different, but they're doing okay. And they're not bad people. Now, did you grow up as part of a church? Is that something that was part of your family when you, when you were coming up? Right. I grew up uh, Southern Baptist. And of course the doctrine there with them is you can't get into heaven without a covered dish. <laughs> and, uh, I was kicked out of Sunday school for asking too many questions. Mm. Mom and dad happy. And um, <laughs> I swore I wasn't the annoying kid, and I certainly wasn't a genius kid. But for some reason, this 10-year-old was stumping these adult Sunday school teachers. And I was usually pretty shy. But for some reason, I felt compelled to ask these questions, and the answers never were good enough. Now, I still believe because it was Kentucky back in the 70s. And that's probably the first step that led me away from religion. But yeah, I definitely grew up in the Baptist church. 
Now, if you don't mind me asking, getting a little personal, where do you stand religiously now? I mean, with, with 20 years of, of viewing the world and then growing up in the small town, where, where have you ended up now? I discovered about eight years ago that I was an atheist. And that took almost a lifetime to get to. And I'd never grown up uh, throughout my life thinking about being an atheist. I always believed, but it just dawned on me one day that, you know, I don't believe in a God anymore. I'm definitely an atheist. And, and I appreciate people that are atheists that are, that are willing to come out and just be blunt with it instead of trying to dance around it. Cause I hear a lot of people that are atheists that are, they try to, well, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm spiritual on the inside. I just, and it's just, you know, just, if you're going to be, if you're, if that's what you believe, if you're more of the scientific mind and you're, and you're just flat out, there's no higher power, just say it, just be that way. Um, because it, <laughs> there's no point in dancing around things. If you're going to dance around things, you can go be religious. Um, now I, I have one more question, one more topic, main topic, our, our final main topic for the day. When it comes to you, you've been podcasting for about a year and a half, right? Right. Um, and you listen to podcasts. Yes. And you listen to your own podcast and you judge yourself. Yes. So what advice do you have for other podcasters? Well, for someone just starting out, um, just binge watch a lot of YouTube videos and take notes and don't be afraid to ask for help. You're going to get stuck. There's going to be something you can't figure out. And podcasters are a really tight knit group. And most of them would do anything in the world that you ask of them. And, you know, if you need help, you can ask me. It wouldn't take me very long to tell you everything I know about podcasting. But if I have an answer, I'll help you out. If I don't, I point you in the right direction and we'll get you that help. So as far as newbies, that's what I would suggest. Maybe for someone that's been in it for a while, not all podcasters are audiophiles. Um, I know quite a few that um, when I ask what kind of headphones they use, they'll say something like um, an old set I've had for 20 years. I don't know what the brand is. And they'll use like a Blue Yeti microphone, which most people, most audiophiles wouldn't recommend, but they like the way their voice sounds. So that's fine. So advice for podcasters that's been around for a while, I would say, listen to podcasts about podcasting. Like Undaunted, for example, um, definitely a podcast like Better Podcasting or just a tip, um, Podcasters Roundtable, things like that. There's probably, I guess, six or eight that's active right now that I have uh, really got a lot of good information on. They, they've really helped our podcast considerably and they're enjoy, enjoyable to, to listen to. They're, they're pretty cool. You have to kind of be a geek slash audiophile to enjoy them maybe, but even if that's not you, your podcast can probably benefit by listening to podcasts about podcasts. <laughs> it's very well said. Very well said. Uh, one of the things that I really like about podcasts about podcasts, it's, there should be, there should be a term for that, by the way, pod, podception or something. There's, there's gotta be something there. Um, I'm actually thinking about starting a podcast about podcast about podcast. The show would be called the podcast podcast podcast. <laughs> That's uh, uh, let me know how that goes. I'd love to love to guest on it. <laughs> okay, sure. you'll be the first one. Um, one thing that I really like about it is hearing a different perspective from other podcasters about how they do their business and how they make 
make either make money or make the proper sound or get the guest, you know, how they make the show, what their show is. And no two podcasters are the same. And you say, you say podcasters are a tight knit group. And as a general rule, I would say we are, but it's a very easy to enter group. It's literally all you have to do is say, I want to podcast. And suddenly you're part of the group. Like it's, it's it's not very exclusive. It may be tight knit, but it's not exclusive. So, right. If someone's new, um, chances are, if someone's been doing it for five years, they're not going to look down on someone that's only had two or three episodes under their belt. Mm -hmm. You know, they've got theirs off the ground. That's the main thing. It's kind of like, um, having kids. If you wait until you can afford to have kids, you'll never have kids. Right. (laughs) If, if you wait until you got the process down professionally, um, you'll never get your podcast off the ground. And if you got something really good to say, that's a real shame. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's true probably amongst most hobbies and careers. The hardest part is starting. The hardest right. part is literally just getting that first episode out. Cause, right. cause yeah. once you've done that, most of the hard work is gone and it's just refinement after that. I remember guessing after each mouse click and I don't know if I'm doing this right. I don't know if it's going to actually air. I don't know if I'm erasing a whole episode and you're just keeping your fingers crossed with one hand and mouse clicking with the other. But yeah, it's, um, it's kind of intimidating. It's, it's not real easy. There is a learning curve, but you know, if Emily and I can figure it out, I'm pretty sure anybody can. And the thing that I really love about it is that if you're willing to put in a little bit more time, you can actually podcast for completely free. Sure. You can put everything out there. Absolutely free. Everything that you Every service you go, either whether it's uh, Podbean or Libsyn or whatever else, all those make it a little easier, and it, it raises that that or lowers the the floor of of how much knowledge you you have to have. But you can start it out for completely free if you're just willing to put in that time. And again, like I said, regarding the community, it's the time. Once you put in the time and and have the effort to get out that first episode, there's so much that opens up to you in everybody that who's podcasting understands how hard that first episode is. Absolutely. It's not easy at all. And, um, I have a a real fear of giving off the impression that you have to have a lot of money to start podcasting and people look at your microphone or your mixing board or or things like that. It's like, I can't afford all that stuff. Well, you don't need all that stuff. Mm. All you need is like a USB dynamic microphone. You probably already have a computer and really, Besides time, that's it. You don't need to spend a lot of money. You can work your way up if you want over time. That's always kind of fun. But you definitely don't need a lot of money to start your first show. Yeah, you can get a a basic digital recorder for like 20 or 30 bucks on Amazon. And that's kind of your your bare minimum requirement for for recording a podcast and putting it out there is just being able to record your voice digitally in in a quiet environment. Now, if you can't find a quiet environment or if you... (laughs) If you have other things going on, I mean, it it gets a little bit harder, but, um, like, like everybody that I know the podcast, all the things that I have that make my podcast life easier, my, my mixing board, my soundboard, uh, which is actually just an old iPad that got handed down. Um, my microphone, my computer, all of this was either my own money that went into it or the little bit of money that we get on, on Patreon over at ritual misery. Um, you know, my primary podcast we take that, we turn it, we turn it around just to keep making the podcast easier to, to do and, and make it sound a little bit better. And we've, me and Kent, my, my co-host on ritual misery, we've hit the point of diminishing returns. Like 
we're we're very comfortable with where we're at and anything we want to do now is an extraordinary amount of money to make a small change and uh it, it only took us we've been podcasting for not quite three years and we're there like we've hit you know professional level well semi-pro gear on you know 20 bucks a month so that's awesome yeah you these days you don't need a lot of money to sound pretty close to professional. I mean, you may not be to NPR standards quite, but they have professional studios and they have sound people that don't guess while they're doing stuff. Right. But yeah, it doesn't take a whole lot of money to sound pretty good. I always tell people, listen to other podcasts within your niche. And if your audio quality sounds as good as theirs, then it's okay. If your audio quality is quite a bit poorer than theirs, then you should probably step it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you talk about professional environments. You've got some some sound deadening material behind you. I've got a window, you know, that hopefully no one's mowing outside right now. So, I mean, these, <laughs> these are these are our environments. Like, you don't need a whole lot, um, and and, and uh, it's really effort because little the small effort can go a long way. If you just grab those pillows from the bed and bring them downstairs and just have them in the room with you, you suddenly cancel out a ton of the echo, and now you sound. 50% better for, for three minutes worth of going to the bedroom and grabbing pillows time. So sure. this, this is the safest room in the house. Cause if we have an earthquake, I'll just bounce off all this stuff. <laughs> I'll be fine, but it's not soundproof. So if Emily and I are recording, say like, um, Saturday morning and my neighbor next door is trimming his trees with a chainsaw, then, you know, I can't very well go out there and tell my Catholic neighbor who's holding a live chainsaw that I'm recording a Recovering from Religion podcast and could he please take a break. So sometimes we have to reschedule because of that. And there's always the Amazon guy knocking on the door and the dogs go nuts and start barking and stuff. So there's always little interruptions like that. But hey, that's what makes it fun. Mm, it, it definitely does add to it for me. Um, so people, people have listened to this podcast. They're at the end of the show and they want to know more about what you're doing and how they can listen to more of your message. Okay. Um, we air episodes every other Sunday and we're on iTunes, iHeartRadio, um, milk, cheese, no, that's my grocery list. I'm sorry. And, um, <laughs> you can listen to us everywhere you find, find podcast. And you want to me to give the contact information stuff? Oh yeah. Do all that. Okay. Let us know. Well, you can find us at Twitter, and that's R-F-R-O-R-G. We have a lot of activity on there. Um, our Facebook page, Recovering From Religion, that's very active. Our website is recoveringfromreligion.org. From that website, you'll be able to get to the chat line, which you can chat with an uh, agent. You can also call the hotline. Um, we have the Secular Therapy Project. We can help you find a therapist that will only use evidence-based therapy, you know, therapy that works. They won't mix the religion in. And you can find local support groups from there, too. Uh, let's see. As far as the podcast itself, if you have any questions, comments, or death threats, you can email us at podcast at recoveringfromreligion.org. That's, uh, I mean, that's, that's a wide plethora of stuff that you're looking at there. Uh, one thing that I want to mention on your website, on at uh, recoveringfromreligion.org forward slash resources, you have a page where there's, there's four categories of help you can get. You got resources for non-religious people, resources for religious people, resources for seekers, and mental health resources. Like you 
are literally, well, the RFR is literally catering to everyone and all the questions. And it's such an inclusive thing. And, and this is so rare to find a, a site that deals with, with tough religious issues that is just so open. And I, I, I just, I really appreciate that as a, as a person who's gone through their own personal journey and found their own way. Um, something like this would have been great for me a decade ago. I can't tell you how many people have told me that. It's like, I wish you guys existed when I was going through this 12 years ago. It's like, well, we're around now. That's the main thing, I guess. That's <laughs> all we got. We can't go back in time. There's no spaceship. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much for, uh, for coming on the show. Um, I really, really do appreciate it. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Ethan Kane. You can follow the show on, on Twitter, on, on untwitter. Is there an untwitter? That'd be great, wouldn't there? Where it's just like you, can, you can't type less than 140 characters. Um, you can find the show on Twitter at UndauntedCast. You can find everything that I'm involved with, all the projects that I'm doing at RitualMisery.com. And I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod, the amazing Kevin McLeod, for allowing us to have to use his music for, uh, for this show and all the other shows that I do. Uh, for me, for Scott, and for all the aspiring and veteran podcasters out there, thank you for joining us on this journey. Thank you.